Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight on Sweet Liberty, and it is Tuesday, the 21st of March, in the year 2006. And tonight, well, first of all, let me share with you our spiritual message from the workbook in A Course in Miracles. The one holy, true thought one can hold about the past is that it is not here. And Alan Watt is with us, folks, and I know you've been anxiously awaiting Alan's return. Alan, thanks for being here tonight. That's a pleasure. I uh, I, I got an email uh, message from Leo in England. Oh, yeah. Have, have you talked to him? I haven't talked to him, but he's saying quite a few. Yeah. Uh, well, I like that. That is so neat to know that, you know, it isn't just here in the States, but actually all over the world that people are listening. Yeah. And it's uplifting to know that we have an opportunity still, Alan, to present truth to people, people who are searching for truth. And, of course, you've been such a big part of that for us eight years ago, taking us out of that forest so that we could see the trees. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, oh, my God, what a journey it's been. It's been a thick forest. <laughs> a very thick forest. Um, before I forget, uh, folks, uh, you know, excuse me. Uh, Alan, you know that Alan has a website, for those of you, unless you're a brand new listener. His website is cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Yes, Alan? Yes. Yes, .com. I, I, I always forget the ending of email addresses. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com. It's, it's, He's linked there in the links at Sweet Liberty. If you're listening uh, from the Sweet Liberty website, um, and also in several other places, uh, Alan has uh, made a home video, and you can go over to his website and watch it, and it is just wonderful. And you get to meet Alan Watt uh, face to face. At least we get to to meet him, and it it, it was. Besides the information that he imparts on on that video, it, to me it was just such a pleasure uh, to put a face to the voice, but to watch his his inflection, his as he talks. I I know that Alan is sincere, or Alan would never have been on this broadcast as many times as he has, but to be able to sort of sit there with him while he's talking. And I appreciated that very much. And and so, don't go now, but after the broadcast, uh, if you have time tonight or whenever, go over. It's, it, it's right there on the main page, and you'll see a, a screen, a, like a TV screen, and it says reality check. And... Uh, it's, oh my goodness, it's great. Alan, that was so great. So I'm not a robot after all. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Spock, you are not Mr. Spock. <laughs> yeah. I don't, these robots are getting awful life lifelike, though, you know. Pardon? These robots are getting awful lifelike. Yes, they are, aren't they, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I just, I guess for the first. Fifteen minutes of listening to it, I was just sitting grinning yeah. while I was hearing it. Because, Alan, we've had hundreds of hours 
of conversation. Yeah. Besides the radio broadcasts, and it was that I really liked that mm-hmm. being able to. It was like sitting there with you, actually. What it was. Yeah. That's the best thing I guess. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, what is it? Did, did I leave anything out of that, or what would? would Oh, there's a good cartoon there too that you look at. Yeah. <laughs> to do with uh, to do with the gunboats now being armed with machine guns on the Great Lakes, and so I've got a good cartoon in there to to follow that up. You know. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. To see a picture's worth a thousand words. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had to have you explain it to me. Yeah, I know. I know. But I think everybody else has got I know the Department of Defense has got it because they've been looking at the website. Have they? Yeah, and the NSA. And uh-huh. I'm sure it's doing the rounds, yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Well, sometimes I'm just a, I'm just a little naive or something uh, because I, I felt silly after you ex- explained it to me. Yeah, yeah, well... Yeah, a cartoon you got to sit back and let the first impression just, yeah. just come in. If you look too hard at a cartoon, you lose it, you see. Well, maybe that's what I did. Yeah. Well, so, Alan, what are, uh, do you have anything particular that you want to cover tonight? or? Uh, just this double think we're getting, this double think with the flu coming in. And the CBC talked about uh, that one specialist, all, of the, all these specialists they give us, they give us double think, you know. Half the specialists are trying to terrify us, and, and then the other bunch come on saying, well, it's all a big lot of nonsense, it's fuss over nothing. And so they get the people in double think where they're not sure what to believe anymore. There are actual, their own opposition yeah. experts saying that it's going to come to nothing. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's more folk died of the common cold this year than this bird flu, you know. And, and let's remember that according to reports during the time the Spanish flu uh, was taking around the country uh, from what we gather it was people who were vaccinated the ones that didn't make it through Alan always the same with most of the big inoculation experiments they've done in, since the 1800s even they made it mandatory in the 1800s in Britain that people had to get smallpox and different things and and then they followed out of maybe um, 20,000 people 19,000 of them died of smallpox, all of all whom were inoculated. So this is traditional, they've given them the diseases that they claim to be fighting, you know. And it's again, it's double think because the public have been trained that the, the new priests, you see, the old priests used to wear just the black, uh, the ones who de- dealt with the commoners, now it's the ones with the white coats, the, the, the new priesthood. The new priesthood. Yeah, and, and they, they uh, are, were trained through television dramas and so on that it's all so perfect and, and, and it's pure science and all this stuff even though their theories keep on changing every couple of years and so uh, they've trained the public to obey, obey, obey and sure enough they run off to get the flu shots which do them no good whatsoever And uh, because it's always last year's flu shot they get and uh, the thing is supposed to mutate at such a speed that uh, the time you get the flu is mutated a thousand odd times. Yes, and it, uh, from a report I read to our listeners last week, mm. uh, it seemed that the guy had really done his homework. Yeah. He said it can actually mutate twice within one individual. Oh, easy. It's, it's, it's so simple. <coughs> uh huh. <coughs> what they're doing is using people, 
when you when you alter a virus, you see, and they've been doing this for good, God knows how long they've been actually altering viruses. It's probably a very ancient technique. But in World War Two, we have documentation on them actually doing it, how they did it, and so on. And they used different animals, etc., to, to mutate the viruses. And then they'd use animals uh, to, to breed them up, and they called these animals breeders. Now, now they're using humans, of course, to be the breeders. They give you the shot, you become the breeder, or the, the fast breeder, and, and then you shed off the viruses to others around you, and you carry it around in society. So this is just uh, uh, as, as bunkum science as what it is, and it's, it's pretty dangerous at the same time. Well, I recall reading reports about, uh, you know, back in the 1800s, you were talking about that it was made mandatory. Yeah. Every country where they made the vaccines mandatory is where the worst outbreaks were. Oh, yeah, always. Uh-huh. And uh, and then once they weren't mandatory anymore, there were no more outbreaks. That's right. And yeah, and, and also, this is what blew me away, Alan. Mm. They, 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 they didn't really make a smallpox vaccine. Mm-hmm. They made a cowpox vaccine. That's right. Uh-huh. The, the smallpox vaccine was made from the cowpox, so people weren't even getting a vaccine that would have any effect on smallpox anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it cut down on their flatulence. <laughs> that's what it did. Yeah. That's, you should, okay, you're going to make that joke and I'm laughing. Mm-hmm. But maybe our listeners don't understand what you... No, if, if they're so far back, we'll, we'll let them catch up, you know. Yeah, all right. So, but the, the thing is, so, well, actually, they, they, they did that. They, they, they passed the fart tax in New Zealand on, on the methane created by cows. I mean, the government actually put a, a law through that the, the farmers have to pay the tax. for the, And they call it the fart tax. They honest guy, that's the truth you're saying? That's the truth. And, and that's how ridiculous things have gotten to, you know. That's how ridiculous it is with with with, the, with bureaucrats and these these little petty um, priesthood scientists um, talking about how we're, we're destroying everything that they end up taxing that. I, I think they're just going so far to see what they can actually do to us. And probably just roaring with laughter. Oh, I'm sure they do these things. I remember, Alan. This was several, quite a few years ago. There was a report, small report that the UN was issuing that they were measuring literally the flatulence uh-huh. uh, the farts yep. from the cattle yep. and they were talking about uh, prohibiting the breeding of cattle here in the states mm-hmm. and doing it strictly in South America yep. uh, because of course the flatulence the methane gas was causing the greenhouse effect uh-huh. and of course I guess when they got to South America, they weren't going to fart anymore, right? Well, what it was, you see, they don't care about the people who live in the southern hemisphere. So if it all, if it all gathers there, they don't really care. Yeah, but if it was causing the greenhouse effect, it's going to happen anywhere. Oh, we know that. That's what I mean. But, but it's, all, it's all nonsense. I mean, it's no different than King James with his fresh air tax and his light tax. It's the same old rubbish where they'll tax anything they can possibly dream about. I mean, that's the problem now. There's so many taxes on everything. They've got to be very inventive. And so they bring out, again, their, their paid uh, prostitute specialists to, to give some psychobabble or some, some technobabble and, and, and explain why we've got to have a new tax to, to stop this or stop that or whatever. 
it's all to bamboozle the public into going along with uh, something which is really just another tax grab, something which is ridiculous. Uh, and, and that's what they're doing, you know. They're going to tax us shortly. Once we have the brain chip and they'll monitor our breaths, you know, every breath you take. Uh, like the, the police song, uh, every move you make, I'll be watching you. And they already have uh, this in the NASA science, uh, astronaut spacesuits. They have little chips which monitor their heart rate, their pulse, their, their blood pressure, um, their respiration rate, etc. And there's even, even the rate of how they sweat, their body temperature. Well, when you get a little brain chip, you see it'll do all that too. And, and if you go over your limit for the day, they'll probably tax you or fine you for, for having too many gulps of air, you know. And, and people might, might laugh, and, and it is laughable, of course, at the moment. But that will come one day. Yeah. You know, that will come one day. And, and they'll have a whole, a whole school of theories is to explain to us why it must be, you see. And until we all parrot what they say, you know. Because that's the society we live in. It's run by these, these new priesthoods. You know, in the, in the, in the Middle Ages, the, the, the Roman Catholic Church had one of the great synods, the, the great meetings, and, and all the wise men from all over the Catholic world came, and the priests and the monks and all the different sects and friars, and, and they debated for weeks how many angels could stand on the head of a pin. You know? And you see, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed, except they keep telling us we're, we're more civilized and advanced now, and it's done scientifically but it's the same rot it's the same nonsense when they come out with all these you know theories they pluck out of the air and try to make a science out of it and a doctrine out of it and then they, they, they explain to the public why it must be so and we parrot it too it's the same techniques which have been used for thousands of years on the public yeah yeah haven't changed yeah Alan changed uh, I don't mean to change the subject on us but mm. You and I were talking one evening, and you were talking about the new age, you know, the age of Aquarius. Yeah. And you gave me a background on that. Mm -hmm. And on your video, on your website, I thought that that's what you were going to do, and I think you kind of got off track because you mentioned the age of Aquarius. And would you explain to our listeners what you explained to me about that? Well, Aquarius is... um uh, but see, there's multifaceted levels I, I, I could explain, but I'll, I'll give the main one, <coughs> and it's to do with um, uh, the legend. See, the, the legend of Aquarius is basically of the most beautiful. It's mythology. <coughs> the most beautiful boy who lived in the Grecian Islands. This is the exoteric story, and and uh, he one day he fell into the water. What was his name? Well, it, it comes from a Greek term. There's different names for the same thing. In the Latin version, it ends up being Aquarius, the water. Okay, but what did you say? Didn't you say Ganymede? Or? Ganymede is the Greek. Uh -huh. Okay. Ganymede. In fact, they have a Ganymede Observatory in England named after him. But uh, the, he fell into the water. And, of course, Zeus, the big god, you see, um who basically was a sort of Hugh Hefner of his time he, he sort of was into anything and everything uh, Zeus came dived down and, and uh, raped him saved him and raped him at the same time because uh, Zeus had to dominate everything you see 
and and he didn't care if it was male or female, but he wanted this beautiful, beautiful boy. And according to the mythology, the exoteric, he placed him into the heavens afterwards uh, with the symbol of of the bowl or, or of water, uh, the the water bearer. And uh, and of course the the the, the Roman the Romans took it over and took it and made it into Aquarius. But what behind the legend is another thing is, is towards the time we're living at, uh, the age of Aquarius, where the new order was to come in, the new type of human is really what is to be. And, and therefore, it, it, that's why, that's just why it wasn't until now that they started pushing, and, we, and people are wondering, why did they start, why was it so important to start pushing homosexual marriage and so on now? It, it was because it, it was the wrong time before they go by this this uh, calendar in the sky, this plan, and they had to bring up the status of the homosexual now, you see, but not for the homosexual's sake. Everyone who joins a group or belongs or identifies with a group is being used uh, for a plan they don't understand, and the homosexual movement has, has been used right along too. The whole idea is to get culture in such a flux where nothing can be normal anymore. There's nothing to compare normal to if it keeps changing, you see. Yeah. And so you, once they get you into a flux where anything goes, like the old song goes, anything goes, um, then they can bring forth within this, this, this context a new type of human, which will be a clone type, hermaphroditic, uh, self-reproducing, a perfect slave though, not, not the master, but the perfect slave. That's really what it means. So the homosexual movement has been used to destroy the old culture, the old norm, to bring in the new. And of course, uh, homosexuals will be out in the cold eventually with everybody else because their job will be over once the new type of slave replaces them. That that's really what it's all about. Because the old man is to be destroyed afterwards. You see, it's to serve the elite. This new type of programmed part cyborg bog type of uh, of being, the hermaphrodite so that's why Aquarius uh, was the age to bring all of this in the, the thousand years of peace according to the mystery religions is literally when when uh, we're all probably chipped by and, uh, and connected to computers like the Borg and can't think for ourselves, we're just robots in a sense and, and there'll be no, no trouble from the people anymore, the slaves uh, that's what they're after in the age of Aquarius. It's nothing to do with having retaining a conscious mind and making nice, decent decisions to all get along together. That was that was the con game they foisted upon the public. Um, it's to do with with the absence of consciousness. The con individuality will be gone totally once the chip comes in. But they put this into their ancient plan and and see revelations as a plan. You reveal a plan, revel, re revelation. You reveal it. You see, it's not a prophecy. And thank, hmm. thank you. Say that again. Yeah, revealing. You you revel from revelation is to reveal. You reveal a plan. Uh, this is not a, a. You don't prophesy a plan. You reveal a plan. You see. Uh huh. And that's why they could write the Old Testament, which was an amalgamation of all the the sun gods that had been before. And 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 put into the story uh, in one of the Gospels, uh, 
where Jesus says, before riding in in triumph on a colt, etc., a donkey, he says, go into town and find a, and find a colt tied up uh, and a man carrying a pitcher of water. He was telling you that his reign would last as long as, as, as um, Pisces, because Aquarius, the pitcher of water, would then take over. That's what it meant. Well, but in other words, he was saying it, or they allegedly said he said it. Well, yeah, sure, they wrote it, they wrote it all. I mean, yeah, the same you. bunch that gave the religions for everything wrote it all. Thank you. And that's how clever it is. They actually give you all these clues, and, and for, for 2,000 years, you've had blind um, priests and, and, and ministers giving you exoteric stories, and everybody's been believing it and they cause pitch battles amongst each other when they can't understand it but it's all esoteric, it's nothing to do with, with what it seems to be it's an astronomical plan and, and the great uh, time clock and you say astronomical mm -hmm. not in the way we use the word sometimes but literally it's all based on astronomy or as, as, astrology well astronomy really, astrology is the art of, of the meanings behind uh, on a different level again but I mean George Bush Sr. when he gave his famous uh, speech on the New World Order coming into view you know he said I can see a New World Order coming into view yes. coincidentally uh, uh, in 1990 and in 91 both on September the 11th of course <laughs> we have those uh, speeches or those excerpts from the speeches yeah, uh -huh. in the website with yeah. the dates on them, Alan. That's right. Yeah, I mentioned them years ago. And we and know, uh, I hope, uh -huh. a lot, a lot of people that know today, mm -hmm. the 911, you know, call 911 if you're in trouble. That's right. That's why it's there. Yes, exactly. And, and then, um, uh, so, so anyway, in the speeches he said uh, everything was going to, to the heavenly plan, you know. And what he was referring to was the zodiacal uh, the timetable, the clock. Right. Because every part of, of what they gave us is, is the astronomical chart or astrological chart is, is part of a timetable, the great timetable for their great work, you see. Uh -huh. so, so we're now in the age of Aquarius, and even then they're arguing about it when exactly it started, you know. But um, Right, when it came in. Yeah, but, when it came but in. But now we're talking about their timetable. Mm -hmm. tell, tell us what you can about the Mayan calendar, which uh, I understand ends in 2012. Yeah, but who said that, though? Mm -hmm. oh, well, that's what I, I've, every, anything I've ever read, mm -hmm. but the Mayan calendar only goes to 2012. Yeah, well, you only get this stuff recently, you see, in the last few years. Uh-huh. Well, see, I, mm -hmm. I, I got a Mayan calendar, mm -hmm. and, Alan, I couldn't understand it. Well, I mean, until a few years ago, it's always been the same. Nobody else could understand it either. But again, with Lawrence Gardner and all these guys coming to the front, and the Art Bells, etc., who are meant to shape our minds, um, now they've got this date fixed in your head. See, in ancient, this is the whole thing with religion and prophecy. Prophecy is intended to make you feel impotent on changing something because you think it's pre yeah, it's Yeah, right. And, and that's what religion has always done for thousands of years, is to convince you, well, there's no point changing it because, well, look, it's predestined, it's, 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 it's God or it's this or it's that. So in other words, the Mayan calendar doesn't end at 2000, 
and twelve? Well, not according to all the other guys. It's only the the the, the undercurrent shortwave crew and 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 the occult booksellers that are all related to the Nexus magazine that have been pushing this stuff. But you know that it doesn't. Well, yeah, because because um, <coughs> when you see government still making plans for the years two thousand and twenty-one and on and on it goes. Well, well, these guys aren't. Look, they'd be taking it seriously too. Believe you me, if that were the case. I know, but you know what? Uh, really caught my attention mm-hmm. well because I've read it so many times I took yeah. it as oh that must be so uh-huh. that's why I wanted the Mayan calendar because uh-huh. I wanted to be able to see it for myself see all, all mystery religions must go through and masonry does it too where, where, where you see I am you see I, God says I am you know who are you he says oh I am that I am you see and all Masons do the same. In the Middle Ages, it was the, the symbol of the bee, I be. Who be, he, who be ye, I be so-and-so. That's how you'd reply. Today it's I am, you see. And, and Maya is just I am backwards. It's the same old stuff, rehashed, and, hashed, you know. Well, the 2012 means something to them. It will to them because... Well, it does, and I, I, I would... Here's the thing, Arthur C. Clarke, who was one of the highest Masons... Um, along with Stanley Kubrick who gave his eyes wide shut and, and a, a whole bunch of Masonic uh, movies uh, put out 2001 and 2012 the two movies and he put out the first one in 1960s oh. and he used the same uh, camera crews <coughs> and computer generated uh, space shots that NASA used pretending they were going to the moon yeah. And uh, in 2001, it gives you the mystery religion of, of the high occult in a story form which really has nothing to do with space. That's the exoteric story. So the beginning of the new age for them, for, for the last part of, of the mission of the great work, was to begin in 2001. 9-11 happens in 2001. Yes. It was to end in 2010 when a new sun would appear in the sky. And as above, so below, a new one is presented on earth. Which means, in their terminology, either they'll bring forth a, a new cone or, or a new king of the world or something. But 2010 was, was when the big presentation was to happen in high masonry. Do you, what do you know about then the 2012 date? That, that's just a, re, a, a misnomer for again uh, the, all, all the people who are following this on the exoteric level and, and who gorge these books up as fast as they're churned out you know okay well yeah. the reason I'm asking this uh-huh. because there was a Diebolt commission set up uh-huh. I don't know this has been about probably eight nine years ago yeah, I know what the guy said yeah okay, yeah and uh, the Diebolt report I've got actual photocopies of their report uh-huh. Um and Ross Perot was on that commission, by the way. If anybody uh, today thinks Ross Perot was a, a quote patriot, that the Diebolt report ends. Uh, basically, what it does is it projects outward what's going to happen between the years such and such to such and such. Yeah. And um, finally, it says the U.S. Supreme Court will rule. Uh, and I don't even remember. I'd have to get it out to see. Mm-hmm. The ending date of the Diebolt report was 2012. Yeah, yeah. They didn't well, take... In their system, they have to have the... Number one, they have to have the Amalgamated Americas uh, uh, totally running as one. They have to have... Well, the European Union's already done. 
that was all written about by Karl Marx in the 1840s. This would happen. He worked for the bankers. And, and then you had the, the Pacific Ring conglomerate that they'll still have to pick a capital for them. And, um, and they want us all to be as one. They want uh, a world government to be up running and openly declaring itself world government. Not now it's doing it, it's just not openly declared. And they also want um, a new type of system, a completely new type of system working. So we have to go through crisis after crisis until we're so weary of, of real and fake crisis that we'll, we'll accept gladly uh, the new system that's to be brought in, uh-huh. which is a, a, a scientifically designed and controlled Alan, society. Yeah. we're going to take a break here oh, yeah. in just a few seconds. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back, folks, with Alan Watts. Stay with us. All right, we're back, folks, with Alan Watts. And... Uh, uh, we were talking. So, so Alan. Yeah. Uh, the year 2012. Did, you don't know of any particular meaning it has for them. I know that they've got it. See, they've run the world, and, and we get stuck on these things they put out for us in the New Age books. I know, but you always tell us. But here's what I'm going to say: is, is that that they've always had timetables to implement different parts all down through history. Right, and I wondered about. Two- if, you, if you want to look at the, how it runs, the UN is a place to look. Because the UN runs on the same Soviet-style system, of where, where say they'll say, well, we want the water supply under the, under our command uh, in 20 years, so they'll have a 20-year plan for that part. They want the whole agricultural um, uh, or the agriculture of the planet under their arm by uh, 2000 and whatever, so they'll have a 40-year plan for that. That's how the Soviet system runs. They even had 100-year plans. Yes. And it's the same thing. It's an ongoing plan. It's what they call the never-ending story. That's why they put it into the movie. It's a never-ending story, yeah. That man himself is infinitely malleable in the building material, and those with the understanding and knowledge of science, they have the right to to keep going as far as they can go with them. A never-ending story. Uh Uh-huh. And the elite have said through for the last hundred odd years openly, and that the books that they write themselves, that nobody reads because it's too boring, um, that they have told us where they've taken us with the, the genetic modification. Uh, they have the bioethics committees, which is the new term they use for eugenics. Oh, yes, bioethics. Yeah, it's a nice user-friendly term. It know. is, isn't it? And, and, of course, it's eugenics, the same thing that, that we've seen down through the ages in measuring of the cranium, all this kind of stuff, measuring your ears to see, oh, my God, this guy might be a criminal when he grows up. And all this kind of stuff. It's the same pseudoscience. And and um, and they plan on creating a, a, a purpose-made society. It's in all the scientific magazines. Uh, the bioethics committees publish their own documentation and all of this. They're having one in Oxford University right now on this very subject. They call it bioenhancement. And it's the same thing. It's about the, the, how to improve the human race, basically. Uh, and, of course, uh, and longevity. Well, obviously, since they all, this group also controls the, the depopulation program for society, uh, they're not going to give longevity to everybody. Uh, to be the contrary, they're killing off uh, the excess working uh, people, and they'll give the longevity to the scientific elite. 
You can trace this all the way back to Plato and his Republic. He was a member of the mystery schools in his day. And he talks about the perfect uh, sort of world state with the guardians at the top, the dominant uh, minority, and then they're helping society of the guardian class who are the scientific groups and so on. And then all the, the types down below them that we specially bred for their purpose of work. And that's exactly the same plan that's on the go today. It's never changed. So we're talking not just a 15, a 10-year plan for that. We're talking about a 1,000 or 2,000, uh, 2,500 year plan for that part of it. This is an ongoing great work, they call it in masonry. Yeah. So now we're at the end of the phase where they have to get rid of the old society where you you sort of go to school and, and, and to, a, to an extent you pick what kind of job you want to do. Uh, that's too messy for them. It's, it's just not efficient enough. The new society must be completely efficient. And they, they, will literally, they will literally breed people for their tasks that they'll have to perform throughout their life. That's to be the new society. Yes. Mm -hmm. well, and they're well on their way, actually. You know. School to work. Yeah. Is uh, a big part of that. That's the Soviets. They, they, they took the whole Soviet system and, and experimentation that was done, improved it, and brought it here. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's in place right now. Yeah. And so, if they want you right now to be, say, a, a motor mechanic, they'll take you at five years of age, give you the basics you'd have to know to be a motor mechanic. No history, geography, or anything. You won't need that. No. Well, you know. And talking about this, uh, and it, it's happened to me also. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, school to work. Mm -hmm. uh, when you find out that, oh well, they're going to train them for particular positions, and mm -hmm. you you don't disbelieve it, no. but somehow, Alan, it doesn't seem to like, you know, register. Yeah. And I'll tell you what happened here, and this has been probably nine years ago. Uh, there's a factory. No, I'm in Tioga County, Pennsylvania here. It's a large area of land with about, I think, population is in maybe 40,000 or something. Mm -hmm. Well, right here in Tioga County uh, is the seventh poorest county in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, there is a factory about eight miles from where I live, uh -huh. and it is owned by the Japanese. Yeah. Uh -huh. And there was a huge newspaper report about this factory, and they they didn't use the word school to work, uh -huh. but that they are training the children today yeah. in the schools to be ready to go to work in that factory. Mm -hmm. They have to have certain skills, and they're training them for the skills to be able to work in that Japanese factory. Yeah. You see what the, what they did, and, and it's all again, it's all United Nations. Uh, the United Nations want the human habitat areas which have been set up for a while and uh, to be self-sustaining communities. Yeah. So your, your work will be in the local... It's like a factory town like they had in the 1800s throughout the U.S. Yeah, well, see, reading that, mm -hmm. it really brought it home to me. Yeah. It, it, to see it actually being done yeah. uh -huh. right there under in our own neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You see, everything is run on a system of economics in this fake artificial system. And we have a fake economic system to begin with. 
uh, the natural system. So everything which it spawns must be more deviant than itself. And that's why we're rushing towards the ultimate deviancy in everything. Uh, it's a, like, a, like um, it keeps multiplying itself into more devious areas because its foundation is rotten and deviant to begin with. This whole economic system it is. is unnatural. It can only spawn more unnaturalness until you have total deviancy. And ultimately you have some, some kind of system which is totally inhumane. In fact, it's anti-human. And, and that's what we're seeing. They at the top call it efficiency. Now we know that the elite themselves have written about it themselves by Charles Galton, Darwin and others, uh, Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell, uh, many of the, the top boys who, who worked for the establishment wrote about it and said that the elite themselves will not genetically alter themselves, uh, but they'll, they'll do all the genetic alterations on the working people. Well, because they said the subjects, he said the subjects must have a master. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. These people have never given... I mean, democracy was just a, a con game to fool the public. As I say, democracy, democracy has many meanings, and the one that the ones at the top have is nothing like the ones at the bottom. It was the same with communism. Lenin said it. He says to, to, to the ones who... To the mob, he said, we give them an ideal of communism for the workers and for the middle ones, the management level. We give them a different version of communism and they give the scientific version of communism to the Politburo class. So it's the same old con game done through the ages. Yeah. There are no sides to this. Uh, communism and capitalism were just the two antipodes, the two opposing forces to create the third way. And, and today that they've all come together. Uh, without communism, they couldn't have created a massive uh, bureaucratic uh, strata, multi-layered strata to manage us all. That was really what socialism was all about. And I think it was Khrushchev himself who said that, that uh, um, he, he said that socialism or, or, or communism was just socialism in a hurry. That's what he said. So we are all under the socialistic bureaucratic system of experts. And, and Lenin said it too in the beginning of the 1900s. He said towards the end of the millennium going into the next, he said, will come a stage of over-regulation where things will, will, will be so over-regulated to become inefficient as, as multi-layered bureaucracies step over each other and step on each other's toes. And that's intentional to that's right. the chaos? Chaos. It's all to create the chaos. It, because of Alan, you've uh, uh, quoted Zbigniew Brzezinski yeah. in his book Between Two Ages. Mm -hmm. And the subtitle, I have the book, by the way, yeah. uh, America's Role in the Technotronic Area, Era, mm -hmm. Uh, he explains technotronic mm -hmm. as technical and electronic, mm -hmm. so he made up that word evidently. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would like to share with our listeners, uh, and, I, and then I want you to comment on this. This is um, in the very first chapter. Mm -hmm. He says, speaking of a future, at most only decades away, and when was the book written in the 70s? Mm -hmm. Was it? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, 1970. Yep. Speaking of a future at most only decades away, an experimenter in intelligence control asserted. Now, this guy, he's quoting is Charles DiCarlo mm -hmm. in Computer Technology, a book, evidently. This is what he said. I foresee the time when we shall have the means 
and therefore inevitably the temptation to manipulate the behavior and intellectual functioning of the people through environmental and biochemical manipulation of the brain. Biochemical. Yeah. Do, you, do, do you see or, I mean, do we see a connection between... Well, that's already happening. Well, I, I know. The vaccines and the chemtrails. What he's talking about, too. yeah, the chemtrails. Biochemical, he's saying. Yeah, you've got the chemtrails, which basically are full of metallic-type particles. And, um, I mean, patents came out in the 1950s on these chemtrails, on this very thing, in, in conjunction with harp uh, and scalar technology. And therefore, the victims below who breathe the stuff in, it's in the food, it's in the water, you become charged, basically. You, be, you, you take up these metal particles and become a better receiver. You're like a walking antenna. And therefore, the, the, the technotronic uh, uh, warfare equipment can beam out signals which then affect your body and they can alter the chemistry of your body. And, and, and they mention manipulating... Uh, I've got this uh, highlighted. Uh, life seems to lack cohesion as environment rapidly alters and human beings become increasingly manipulable yeah. and malleable. Yeah. Just shape us like a piece of clay. Absolutely. And it's a takeover of the mind. If you have the mind of the people, you have the body, you see. And, and that's what it's all about. And uh, it's an old, old plan. I mean, Bertrand Russell also talked about it, where, where the, the public wouldn't even know it was being done to them. And, and once it was fully effective, they'd have no memory of, of, of basically what, what had gone before. And that's happening today. People are losing memory very quickly. They have no long-term memory. It's, it's all short-term and very short at that. But the technotronic warfare... See, this, this stuff, once... Here's how it ties in with the cell phones. Um, there was a recent documentary on the CBC on the National a few weeks ago about a new um, syndrome, a medical syndrome of people who are hypersensitive to the microwave uh, bursts of cell phones and cell phone towers. And they showed you a visual of a place in Toronto with all these little cell phone towers. Most of them are so small you can't see, but they're up on buildings, they're everywhere. And, and really, as we know, what they've already mentioned in Homeland Security, the cell phones can be tracked everywhere as part of the tracking mechanism. Well, the new ID card that's coming in, which has an active chip with your DNA and your voice print and iris scan, all that stuff, um, that also uh, will be stimulated and, and give off a signal to these, these infrared uh, cell towers that are all over the cities and towns. And so they'll be able to track you wherever you go in that city, even into back alleys, wherever. It's a tracking mechanism. Well, once they go a step further, which is to come, because the Loyola University has talked about the brain chip being ready. It's actually ready to go. And, um, uh, the, and the regional computers, which will program the, the recipients, will be programmed like the Borg on the Star Trek series. Um, they're all set up and ready to go. And they said all they have to do is convince the public to accept the, uh, these chips. Now, they'll do a, a tremendous uh, barrage of chaos uh, from now until they bring it out to us. Right. To accept it. And then Oprah will come on and tell us how wonderful it is and all that kind of yes. stuff. 
and um, and and so that the, the the technology to track everyone and and basically beam instructions into your chip, which will then affect your body, your brain chemistry, and everything. It's all up around us, waiting to go already through the, the microwave technology. It's already set up to do so. These guys don't miss a trick. They're way, way ahead of what the public know. And, and these cell phone towers, there's <coughs> thousands of them in every city, you know. Some of them are only a, a couple of feet high. And, and a lot of them are uh, camouflaged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. little, uh, you know, some of them look like palm trees in the southern states. And, yeah. Uh, some of them are even, they even put one above a, above a church. Not, not a church, a school entrance on the main building because they're paying them so much, so many dollars to put up these little towers, you know. Oh, my God. So they put it behind the school sign. And, you know, how I, I wonder how many children, school children, uh -huh. cell phones today, Alan. Oh, I know. Well, you see. A lot of them. I know a lot of them do. I know. The MP3 players and the iPods and and they have the the uh, the BlackBerry, I think they call it, that's an internet, a cell phone, everything all in one. Um, and of course, it's a status symbol with the parents. The you know, cell. they can watch movies on cell phones now. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you got to have your, 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 your cultural brainwashing one way or another through much music, you know. And that's how they give us culture or a lack of it, you know. But, uh, yeah, everything's set up for this, and it's been discussed at world meetings. And the, the, Loyola, the Loyola University published 600 pages on this with the top scientific experts from all over the planet there, scientists and microchip specialists and biologists. And, and they said it's all ready to go. This chip is actually well tested. I mean, it's perfected. I'm sure they were testing it many, many years ago on, on unsuspecting people. And uh, it literally will, it's, it's got a coating on it which will integrate with your nervous system so you can't, you couldn't even just cut it out easily. It'll, it'll send little tendrils into your, your, your nervous uh, system and intertwine with them. So, so it's uh, a very, very advanced. Yeah. Very Sometimes advanced. when we talk, mm -hmm. I feel such a deep sadness. Yeah. Uh, and. I feel like I want to scream to people, get uh -huh. get out of the city. Yeah. Get out. If you can get out of the city, get out of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the cities are where, uh, as Plato said, they create the beehives because nothing's natural within a city. Therefore, it's the easiest place to, to alter culturally and speed up into this strange word called progress that no one wants to define except the high masons, you know. And uh, in other words, you can do whatever inside a city. Uh, and, and of course, we've seen all that in our own lifetimes, how they can pervert anything in a city so easily and the public go along thinking it's all quite natural. So they'll be the first ones to take all the chips and tracking chips and, and all the rest of it. Even if they don't, Alan, yeah. the people in the city, let's say that people who are listening to the broadcast, mm -hmm. people who are uh, much more aware than the average person, yeah. when you live in the city, you are so bombarded mm -hmm. that it's almost like you don't have a chance. Yeah. You don't have a chance. I mean, personally, I can't go near a city now. 
it just me. I, I feel the buzz off it miles, miles before I come near it. And um, the last time I went to St. Louis, mm -hmm. and Chuck drove me to Columbus, and and then Jody and her boyfriend came halfway and picked me up and took me there because mm -hmm. I didn't want to make the thousand mile drive by myself. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we got into Cleveland. We had to go through Cleveland. Yeah. And I looked around. And I said, oh, my God, Chuck, look. Everything is cement and brick and pavement, and there's nothing real here. And it, it almost felt like I could I, I could feel myself shriveling, Alan. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like you're shriveling up inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, God, I feel so sorry for people in the cities. Mm-hmm. And yet, after watching what happened in New Orleans... I think it should be a lesson to everyone that if, if you get caught in a city in a disaster or a food shortage or a, a real or phony outbreak um, where, where you're de totally dependent on supplies coming in, well, we saw what happened in New Orleans. Uh, it's, it's the last place you want to be is, is in a city situation. You know, in, in the book, uh, Between Two Ages, mm -hmm. I made a note at the side here there was a footnote, and there's a comment here, uh, a book called Why is Man Aggressive? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Impact of Science on Society? Mm -hmm. Argues that population growth, crowding, and social oppression all contribute to irrational and intensified aggression. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Experiments on rats seem to bear this out. Yeah. Observation of human behavior in large cities seems oh, yeah. to warrant a similar conclusion. And that's why they created the large cities to, right. get, to, to get that kind of behavior going. Right. And it isn't that uh, it isn't that the people are themselves inherently aggressive. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it is the environment. Oh, sure. And, and when you're when you're you've got all these microwave powers. I mean, there's nowhere to escape them in the city and now. People, people are not meant to live on top of each other. And, and that's what it's They live in the burbs. The burbs. The same thing. Uh-huh. It's just an artificial creation. And they knew this thousands of years ago at Nimrod, uh, what to create the artificial city. That, you know, that's the why it's so... Yeah, look, look at the story of Joseph. Yeah, I know, but the thing is... I mean, it says right in that story that he gathered up the people from the country and brought them into the cities. Yeah. Because the city is where you're now the master, you're the servants, and you can literally teach them anything and experiment with all kinds of behavior and make any behavior normal. That's a fact. Any behavior can be made normal in an artificial setting. It isn't that any of us uh, really escape it, you know, because even as rural as we are, mm -hmm. we have the chemtrails. Well, you, you get loaded with it, yeah. Yeah. And that's doing, God, God only knows what, but mm -hmm. uh, we're just not as subjected mm -hmm. to array of, quote, biotechnical manipulation yeah. of the brain. The, 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 that CBC documentary on this new syndrome of cell phone tower syndrome, um, they showed you a visual as you were standing in this part between different skyscrapers, and they showed you the visual burst of microwave from all these towers everywhere 
and and if you were standing in the middle, you were getting totally bombarded with this. Now this is an energy pulse, remember? Yes. It's you getting those with energy pulsations and a specific frequency, and this does not bode well for the, the the human organism is not meant to handle this. And yet the guys who put this up know what its ultimate effects will be. They know this stuff. They're not they're not waiting to see what happens. They they knew donkeys years ago how it worked on people. So they know what they're doing is programming the people. Yeah. You know, and then the question in my mind, and maybe there isn't an answer, mm-hmm. but um, why some of us uh, just had to leave cities. Yeah. Like we couldn't. I remember when, because I lived in, I lived in Chicago and St. Louis, and, and when I moved to Illinois and started my business in Springfield, I built my home 50 miles away, and I, I, I promised, because I was so grateful to be able to live away from cities, I will never complain about the drive. And even even though I was in farmland and out in the woods and et cetera, when people would say, oh, it's so beautiful here, you know what I would say, Alan? Mm-hmm. If I had my druthers, I'd be somewhere out in the country on a farm. Yeah. It, it's like it was a yearning inside of me mm-hmm. and, and I know that a lot of our listeners and especially a lot of the shortwave listeners uh-huh. they, some of them go out to where they don't even have electricity Yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's almost like birds of a feather flock together I know, I know and, and that's what it's coming down to is those who understand innately probably a lot of them uh, that they need country, they need the stars at night, they need the nature around them, you see, because that's your natural setting. You weren't born thousands of years ago, or millions, you weren't born into the concrete jungle. Mm. You were born under the stars or under the sun, and and, um, that's nature, you see, and uh, uh, the way we're going is a planned direction by an elite, which is totally artificial, and as I say, Something which is deviant to begin with can only spawn more deviancy, which technically is our hell, ultimately. Our hell. Um, we're out of our hour, uh-huh. and you're coming back with us tomorrow night, yes? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, once again, folks, Alan's website is Cutting Through the Matrix, C-H-R-O-U-G-H, thematrix.com, and I know you'll want to watch this video and listen to the information he shares there.